Welcome one, welcome all, welcome to Bricks in the Wall. Today we have a guest, Mr. Owen Hunt. Um, once we got connected through the Zoom call, we kind of just hit it off instantly. So there's not going to be really an intro except this. Um, but just to preface, because it just kicks off kind of randomly in the middle of nowhere. But to preface it, we kind of start off talking. Um, we were talking about how he did a, a comedy uh, set the night before and just talking about how it went and where it was at and he was talking about how the scene was kind of for people who were sober or, or going through sobriety and trying to sober up their lives and I kind of mentioned to him that I think I find sober people just a little weird I mean nothing wrong or bad about them not judging but they're kind of like it becomes their identity sort of and we're just kind of talking about that so that's what we start off kicking, talking off about sobriety, and then after that, it just kind of spills and goes into all kinds of interesting and fascinating stuff. And um, he's great. He's an awesome, interesting guy. Please go check out all his stuff. The links are down below. Um, he's funny, hilarious, smart. Um, just the, the others, and that's basically what we talk about on this episode. We talk about finding the others, because that's the solution. That's how we win. It's not by, you know, fucking coming up with the new government system or how to overthrow the other one or how to like do this or that. No, it's really just about finding the other people who are on your wavelength and, and working with them and eventually the ideas come and that's how that's how we're gonna win. But um this is just an intro to the show. I hope you guys like it. Peace. That kind of becomes your, you know, God in a sense where it's like I well, my sobriety, right? Like that becomes your crutch and right. it becomes your identity and what you kind of base things on. And right. I don't think that's necessarily always healthy either. Sometimes that's just overcompensating, you know, uh -huh. obviously it's, uh, we got to work to, toward a balance somehow. And some people do that by extremes. <laughs> no, that's all true. I, I just started recording because I found that talk interesting. Guys, we're talking about a sobriety. Um, we're just going to jump right into it. Um, today, I'm talking to Owen Hunt, a very interesting guy I found on Instagram. Like, I find all my guests. Um, I could tell just by his post that there's something to this guy. So I go through his post. I go through his stuff. He's a comedian. He has a podcast called Blue Collar Mystics, which um, here I'll just read the bio, which instantly, instantly I clicked with it. It says, um, an under the hood approach to the mysteries of human consciousness. And they offer podcasts, publishing, education, consulting. They have a website. And it, that's the thing. Whenever I see stuff like that, I know. Owen, hi, welcome. I'm sure you've heard of um, Timothy Leary in the 60s. He would always say, find the others. Have you heard about this? Yeah, I know a little bit about it, but sure, yeah. And so I'm always kind of out, since I was a little kid, I would always be out looking for stuff. At first it was money, and then eventually it morphed into ideas and ideologies and just things that people think about in their mind, kind of abstract things, not actual. I'm looking for ideas for people to connect with because um, he also said something along the lines that this doesn't get repeated. He says, find the others and then you'll know what to do. Because a lot of times I think I'm sure you've, question this because just by looking at things that that you write and post you're a deep guy i mean you look past just the surface of things and you look deeper into life what is your idea about what we're on and what we're doing here on this planet <laughs> well uh that that is maybe constantly changing um because it's just constantly the question that i keep coming back to you know same um i've definitely dug down the rabbit hole a lot. I think everyone here has a purpose. I do believe that. I, I believe everyone is a, a particle, a, a piece of, of the all of God. You can't separate 
that, you know? Um, so uh, I, I try not to be too confident or arrogant in my beliefs about the world because like you're talking about Timothy Leary, a big fan of, of his stuff and uh, adjacent Robert Anton Wilson, who uh, is my, one of my biggest heroes and a lot of the other people in that movement that talk about the map is not the territory, right. you know, the menu is not the meal, the idea that we have these models of reality and we get to kind of tell ourselves the story, right? right? We, right. we take evidence from what is physically happening to us and we filter that through our processing system and we establish and begin to understand patterns and start to find our place in reality. And I think, I think it's a, I think it's a process that's internal and external. It's both. We were talking a little bit at the beginning where you were like, something seems like, you know, with, with sober people, it's kind of weird, you know? (laughs) And I agreed uh, because I know a lot of people who are sober um, have gone so far off the deep end on the other side that they're trying to compensate and we're really ultimately trying to find balance and trying to find a happy medium, you know, in moderation. And some of us go in different ways, right? Some of us are are those of extremes and we, we overcompensate when the pendulum swings back. But I think eventually, you know, we're, we're here learning some lessons as human beings having this experience. I do believe we're infinite consciousness. This is not the end of things. This is just a part of it. So I'm very much a spiritual uh, type of person. I'm not an atheist. Uh, I I still consider myself mostly agnostic, I guess, because I can't just sit down and answer something for somebody else. I can tell my story and I'm happy to share that, Uh, but I don't want to project too much because I don't want to encroach on someone else's experience and the map and the model that, that they create. But understanding the power of manipulating and and filtering and and adjusting your map to consciously create a map, you know, for yourself that is useful to you and purposeful and practical and puts you in a place of success, harmony, you know, uh, and, and, and and finding the values that you personally, you know, want to adhere to. And, and like you said, find the others, find the other people who espouse those very same values get with those folks, build systems with them, right? Build community, because I think those values are very important. Uh, Some of the values uh, that people use are not always scrupulous. And sometimes people have those values in common, but birds of a feather, I think, do flock together, find the others who, who share the same values, who have the same view of the world that you do and i think you can build a a bit of a harmonious base there we're definitely tribal right that that's in our dna uh so trying to figure out who to sort of associate with and uh and how to benefit that group is a big part of i think while we're here as well so being part of a group being ourselves our truest self like the biggest thing i guess i do when i work with people one-on-one is really just trying to find their authentic, authentic, uh, sense of, of who they are. Cause there's a lot of influencing factors that go along with, with that, right? Like Gurdjieff separates essence from personality, for example. Mm-hmm. So understanding like at an essence level, I'm this like perfect being that has its own unique energetic signature. Oh, I love all of that that you said, and I totally agree with you. And to end with that, what you were just saying, you had a post that said something along the lines like, you are a god, uh, even your farts are holy. I agree. <laughs> like, 
We're, I mean, I, I want to contrast that with a little bit later, but I want to go back to what you were saying. I love how you said that you have a changing uh, map of the world. And I love that because so many people live in this fixed, they want to have a fixed worldview and they think that their way or what they read or what they heard about is the way, but it's always changing. Things are always changing. Nothing's static in the universe. And that's exactly right. That's why we are intrigued by story and why anything actually happens uh, as well. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I think the really the hardest thing for people and for me and everybody else is just being willing to be wrong. Yes. That's so hard, right. man. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's right. so hard to, to just admit that you're wrong, even in the first regard. Like, and that's just the first step because then you got to figure out you know, there's a whole bunch of questions that come after that. But if we can learn to be pliable and understand that our map is, you know, also going to change, then it's definitely, it's definitely helpful. I think it frees up a lot of bandwidth and energy and it's kind of just a really kind of comforting idea. Cause it's like, Oh, I don't have to fucking know everything right now. I can curse. Right. I don't. Yeah. Mean fucking bring it up. Bring it up. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, knowing that, it's like, oh, God, I don't have to have the whole fucking universe right. figured out right now tomorrow and put all these puzzle pieces in play. I can actually enjoy this process as it comes together. A great analogy that a friend of mine gave, uh, and he was speaking in reference to comedy, but I think this could apply to really any skill that you're trying to do or the idea of self-knowledge, too, is that it's like a puzzle. And... You know, when you first start out of a puzzle, you can't even tell what the hell it is. Right. You don't, you just have all these pieces. You don't know where they go. And so you start to put, you know, these pieces over here together and these pieces over there together a little bit. You start to see some things. And then before too long, you know, you've got a half or a third of the puzzle. That's really when you can actually see what the picture is that you're even doing. So right. I think the part of this human experience is, is going in blind and being like, I don't really even know what the fuck this is or what I'm doing here. But I'm going to start putting whatever pieces I can. And I think ultimately, you know, we start seeing levels and layers, you know, like peeling the onion back, right. you know, peeling, right. peeling back the glass onion. Yeah. And to go back with what you said of being wrong. Now, I listened to this one guy. He used to be a Satanist, but he became spiritual and he saw like a truther. He saw the truth about all of that. And he always said this one thing that stuck with me. And it, it reminded me of what you just said. He, he would always say. People would rather run a thousand miles in the opposite direction than to admit that they could be wrong. And that's the crux of everything that's wrong with the world. People want to fucking dig their heels on the ground and say, no, I'm right, and you have to follow what I'm saying. But like, go to go back with what you say, you have to be able to fucking move with the waves, go up and down with the flow, not just have a fixed point of view and say, this is how it's going to be forever. Yeah, I think that is really important because I, again, I think it just really frees you up as the experiencer, the perceiver, you know, the actor, wh however you want to talk about your role to really be pliable and flexible. And the true, one of our truest and best gifts as humans is, is adaptability. Mm -hmm. So just knowing that we can, uh, you know, shift and change and be, really kind of uh like water in right. a situation when it calls for it right or you know or, or whatever really kind of like figuring out the deeper parts of ourselves because I, I while i say you know we're here to find our true 
self. I also think there's very likely infinite selves of us, mm -hmm. you know, and there's infinite paths that we could have gone down or did go down in past life. Cause you start to open up the quantum sort of ideas and, uh, and, and, and the, and all of this and shit gets really hard to, uh, really quantify or explain or talk about, but I mean, infinity is a real mathematical reality. So if that's true, then the way I view that, and this is sort of my model is that there is this sort of infinite soup, call that what you will. I think it's synonymous with the dream world, the astral world mm -hmm. ideas, every lifetime, every infinite possibility is all contained within that soup. Right. And we kind of pull from that soup and are creating and manifesting from this, you know, from this field of infinite consciousness into this material realm. And I do believe in one material realm. I don't believe that there's many physical realities in my model. And I could be wrong about that. I might go back and adjust it, but that's just how I conceive the world. Like we're, we're congealing the mind of the all hmm. every moment. Wow. That reminds me of two things. One thing when I was little, but first I want to start with what you were just talking about. Have you seen the new movie? It came out this year. It's called Everywhere All Here at the Same Time or something like that. Have yes. You... It was a great movie. Yes. I really did enjoy it. Y'all go check out this movie because it, it's t basically talking about what Owen here is talking about. He's saying that you could basically become a, a writer or a boxer, anything that you set your mind to. If you go down the path and really trust yourself and really like believe in yourself, you could be anything. Well, sure, some pe some short people can be NBA players or something like that. But if you put your mind to it, like in this movie, the lady in one version of her life, she was stuck in a laundromat, you know, miserable, hating her life. But she saw a parallel universe where she became like a, an opera singer or a fighter or something. I forgot what it was. I think a karate. She became famous off of her karate movies and all of that. And it was just showing, demonstrating how an idea that I've seen when I'm driving and I see homeless people in the street, I look at them and I could be like, well, man, if you would have just done things differently, you could be a CEO or something. You know, it just depends on the choices that you make in your life. We're two or three choices away from fucking our life up. And it's just trusting yourself and trying to do the right thing. And to go back with what you were saying, like we can be any possible version and humans are adaptable. But I think also there has to come in that balance and that self-introspection because I don't know if you know, Owen, but the, the Aztecs, even though they were doing mushrooms and tripping and a lot of people consider that to be like an awakening or enlightenment, these motherfuckers were taking shrooms and sacrificing people to the gods and they thought they were like doing the greatest shit. So I think at some point, some people, you know, have to be like, where is the balance? Where Where is morality? And I think that's a big issue. Like, where do, who sets morality and who sets what's right and wrong? Yeah, that's a big, big issue. And I think we're clouded about that type of judgment from a very young age. The models that I like there is I don't really jive with moral relativism. To me, it makes sense that every individual is, a you know, again, like a divine expression of of the all god whatever you want to call that and basically you own yourself right like you get this experience you get to take this ride this journey and it's it's it's, it's a very simple sort of ideology you know a lot of people talk about this i guess it's kind of synonymous with libertarian morality or ethical behavior from from that and you know a lot of people will say natural law about this or other terms but you know you own yourself uh, is the best way I know to kind of say that, right? Like, so you're responsible for your words, thoughts, and actions. 
as long as those words, thoughts, and actions aren't harming anybody else, then there should be no ret you know, retribution against you because you didn't, you know, uh, you didn't attack them. Right. You didn't, you know, you weren't the aggressor in the situation. The aggressor's always wrong in the situation. The one who lies, cheats, coerces, it all kind of comes down to theft too. Yeah. From If you want to boil it down, like Mark Passio and many other people have talked about this idea and I, I can't argue it. Uh, it makes the most sense to me from a very simple play. Cause I remember coming up in school and, you know, we were kids, we were boys, we get into trouble with each other and start fights and stuff. And we'd say, Oh, so-and-so started it. And the teacher was like, I don't care who started it. I'm going to finish it. And right. I'm like, well, it, all that matters is who fucking started it. Right. To be honest, if right. we're going to be really honest about that, like if they didn't start it, it wouldn't be it. Let's start, let's go to the root of this instead of having our morals, you know, so clouded because morals and ethics just aren't the same things you know people talk about morals as the, as if they're ethics and ethics as if they're morals they're not the same morals are i think it's pretty instinctual at least it's that's in my experience you know i'm not going to take from somebody else or steal from somebody else um you know i, I think this is kind of a pretty well-known philosophy as far as things go. What do you even call it? Like universal morality, I guess, objective morality. I'm not really even sure. I don't know. The... I don't know, but I think that's interesting. I love how you mentioned Mark Passio. So I'm sure you've gone down different rabbit holes and listened to many speakers and lectures and stuff like that. I, yeah, the past 10 years have been a crazy, crazy ride of learning different information. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. And see, yeah, this is kind of where I wanted to start with because I saw one of your posts. It's something that I often tell people too, and I repeat it on this show. I love it. I'll just repeat it here. It says, the two most important days of your life are the day you are born and then the day you find out why you're born and why you're here and what your purpose is. So tell us, Owen, because I, I feel we have similar life paths because I woke up as a child. Tell me what are the the moments or the things that happened in your life as a child that kind of led you down this path of questioning everything? Well, for me, I didn't really get too uh, into it until I was probably about 30 years old. Oh, so shit. 10 years ago is really when the hammer dropped for me. I was always pretty curious and I was, you know, I, I was an out of the box type, type of thinker, but I, I didn't really have a confronting moment until I was 30 when I started reading 1984 and Brave mm. New World again mm. and just found... You know, some really in, interesting and probably like an Alex Jones documentary at that time or whatever. This is around 2012. Uh, I don't even know what all, right? Like I'm looking at all kinds of crazy, you know, conspiracies on the internet mm. when I hit 30. And, and so I just went deep at that point and started looking into history and, you know, psychology and social dynamics and relationships and, all kinds of stuff, you name it. Right. right. And so <laughs> that's really when that compulsion, I guess I would say kicked in mm. to really want to know the truth really bad. Cause I, it, it took me that long to realize that my previous map had expired. Mm, you know, I, love that. I it, it didn't, it didn't anymore fit. Uh, it didn't make sense. And so I had to do some work on that. And over the next I'd say like three or four years is when I it went really kind of into a kind of a dark rabbit hole of a lot of conspiracy and victimhood mentality and then came out of that with a sense of purpose. And um, what really turned, turned that around for me is I was looking into all 
you know, all these different conspiracies. And I found um, Emerson's book, Self-Reliance. Hmm. And that that book was really pivotal for me because um, I, I just, if I had to pick one, one book, uh, it would be that one. Uh, nothing was more pure to me than his writing and the idea that it really is all within you. When you hear the term self-reliance, it sounds like, hey, you know, put a garden in your backyard or something, be be self-reliant. But what he's talking about is really having the answer and the, and, and the connections to, to everything, to all, all things within you, uh, just like the Eastern mystics were talking about. So when I, when I kind of stumbled on that is when I really kind of started to dig down and say, okay, I'm tired of being depressed <laughs> and, uh, and feeling like a victim and I'm ready to to do something. And so I started a podcast and started, you know, trying to figure out what I was here to do and ultimately did find a sense of purpose. And I've been implementing that since. So, um, so yeah, so in a nutshell, that's where I'm at. I was always really fascinated with, uh, performance and art when I was a kid, but I also got swept up in the kind of keeping up with the Joneses, valuing what my friends valued, mm. you know, being, being a, 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 a part of culture and, and what was cool and, and all that stuff, especially when I was impressionable and in, in, in the high school. And, and then in college, I definitely thought outside the box, but I, I didn't really have that bone crushing realization that, oh my God, <laughs> something is wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I'm way off right. until I was 30. And so my Saturn return was a big, uh, a, a big shift in my life. Wow, I love that. Very well put, brother. And see, I, I love asking people. That, that's part of the reason I created this podcast. Similar to you, I, want, I was asking questions, just trying to figure shit out. But the, the reason for this podcast and the reason it's called Bricks in the Wall is because I'm trying to show people that there is a wall, a metaphorical wall that you, we ourselves built through the lies, through the deception, through the media, through everything we're fed, we create this wall and we close ourselves off from the truth, which is on the other side. And it's, like I said, it's made of these bricks, which you can call them conspiracies or lies or, you know, half truths. And that's why I created this, because I want to talk to you, the other people and find out what was the catalyst? What was it that created you to actually like start paying attention and to come back to the metaphor you were talking about, try to put that puzzle together? Because like you said, you said it was 1994 kind of that started it. But I always wondered because I remember back in the day that was like a book everyone had to read in English class. And why are there so many people that read it and have no inkling or nothing? Like it's just a book. They just see it on the surface as a book, but they don't see the true metaphors, how it kind of reflects society nowadays. What do you think it is that people, some people, I also talked to this other lady. She said she had twins. And one of them is like a truther. She's looking into all this stuff. And the other one's like so ditzy, just about sports. You know, she doesn't look. And they're twins. They're the same genetic material. What do you think it is that causes this, this schism in people's minds that makes them want to like be like the Truman Show and, and step outside the box? That's such a good question. I really, really wish I could have a great answer for that. And, uh, and I don't, but I would love to backtrack just a a skosh to what you were talking about with 1984, you know, that's a, there's a theory I have here too, where especially if you introduce information that's so complicated and uh, nuanced to someone who's young and impressionable and has this mind, then you, 
you know, we read that book in like seventh grade English class, as you said, or something like that. I don't know. And, <laughs> and so in seventh grade, are you really supposed to understand Animal Farm or fucking uh, 1984 or, you know, any of these books that we read in school? I feel like it's like, oh, if you give them to them when they're impressionable then, and they can't really understand the metaphor of the information, they don't have the proper equipment on board. Then later in life, they'll be like, yeah, I read that book. I don't need to read it again. And so they don't actually revisit it or ask those questions because they're not mature or developed enough mm -hmm. to have an idea of what is being presented to them as a metaphor. So I think we're given that information early on as in intentionally so that we don't continue to look down that because it just reads like a sci-fi novel mm -hmm. on the surface at that, especially at that time in our development. You know, I, I don't know what it is with people. You know, I have a compulsion at this point, but it wasn't always that way. You know, people talk about NPCs and stuff, and I wouldn't say that I was full on an NPC before, you know, I hit 30, but I definitely had a lot of blind spots and was completely just mostly concerned with my own experience. I, I was just try, chasing a good time. That's mm. what was important to me, and that's what the value was. I think for a lot of people, they chase a good time or they accomplish certain goals in their life. And then they feel a sense of emptiness even after accomplishing that goal. I right. think that is often a catalyst, but not always, you know, sometimes that just leads to addictions uh, or, <laughs> right, right. Or, 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 you know, pursuit of something else or, you know, cause we do, it seems like have this driving force within us. And I think it can be exploited and, and I think it often is exploited by either religious organizations or political organizations, et cetera. But we have this deep, you know, sense of, of wanting to uh, contribute and, uh, and to be part of a cause. And, um, and, and, and that, I think that is within each of us. And I think, you know, enough time exploring and not feeling fulfilled. Ultimately, it's like this hum in the, you know, under the, the, under the fridge hum, like, uh -huh. or like this background noise. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of in, in the, you know, in that's been there, but you didn't notice it's like white noise. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get a glimpse of it for whatever reason, you know, for me at that time, it was catalyzed by, you know, a lot like me maturing and coming at the coming to the end of a, a career that I had chosen and seeing that it was, I had hit a glass ceiling and there were a lot of, influencing factors you know curiosity as well being one of them just genuine curiosity especially once that once i realized i was wrong about some things then that just it made me question a whole bunch of other things which mm. is very common yeah <laughs> i love well. that i love how you said that fridge hum and it made me think of in the matrix when he says there's a splinter in your mind and that's what it is it's something in your head that you don't really see it until you start paying attention and to go back to what you were talking about again that metaphor of the puzzle it's really good because like you said there's a puzzle out there and people don't even see the pieces but i think uh another thing to point out is people like the, when you're making a puzzle the easiest things are always the corner right it's always easy to put the corner together because they're straight edges but i've noticed many people don't even ask the simplest questions like where did i come from why am i here what are we doing? And to me, those are the, the basic questions that if you can find those pieces of the puzzle, which I see as the corners, you know, put them, you start getting a picture of, oh, okay, this is where I came from. I'm a human. Do, do I even know what a human is? And then to tie that back in, how you said, I think a lot of people feel this, they get this um, 
feeling of depression or victim mentality. And some people will just numb that out either with, like you said, an addiction or something else. But I think maybe to answer that question I posed to you earlier of what is it in people that clicks, um, have you seen Westworld? Ah, uh, yes. Okay, so in Westworld, uh, just to refer, uh, simplify for the people, it's a park where there's robots and they're, they're just robots, but slowly they start becoming alive and sentient and they create their own consciousness. And there's this episode, I'm sure you remember when Ford, the main guy who made them, he's explaining to somebody how they became awake or how consci consciousness began in them. And he said it was a repetition of, um, what did he say? What was the word? Of, um, what's some uh, synonyms for pain? For pain? Mm -hmm. Like suffering? Or? Yeah, suffering. Suffering, exactly. He said, because you know how the robots get killed or raved every night, basically? He said that once the robots started remembering this suffering, this suffering in your mind, something clicks and you want to end the suffering. So you start asking questions. Okay, why am I suffering? What do I do to end the suffering? Uh, what do I need to do or prepare or how do I get out of the situation? And that's when the mind in these robots started generating consciousness because it wanted to answer its own questions that it posed for itself. So I think that's can be a catalyst for people suffering, like you said, feeling depressed, sad, leaving your career, starting something fresh, something new. But like you said, people just zone it out and just hear it as a humming and just ignore it and live their whole lives through that nine to five thing. So I want to ask you, because you mentioned you had a career you left and now you do comedy. Is that strictly what you do now? So I do a number of things. I've uh, always been a bit scrappy when it comes to finances. Okay. <laughs> We're really uh, 20, I would say 2016, 2017 is when I kind of stepped out of uh, a different sort of paradigm or map uh, as far as making money and stuff goes. I started doing Airbnb and I started to do coaching and I started to do, you know, other side hustles and income uh, as well as working on some film projects. I got some opportunities to do some cruise ships back in those days, which were very fun and, and work as a host and an MC doing that. So I'm, I'm continuously pursuing comedy. It's not the only thing that I do. Uh, in fact, uh, it's definitely probably two or three on my list of, of things. If I was going to look at a, if I was going to look at a financial thing, I'd probably spend more money on comedy than I do make it. Oh, wow. Um, but, but you know, that's, uh, that's part of the, that's part of the process too. You know, I go to open mics as often as I possibly can. And so I'm driving around a lot, going and performing and trying to just shape my material. It's uh, to be a comic is to create, basically, it's like any other business. You have to create uh, a bunch of content that you can use down the road. You know, it's an investment of time. Right. So that you can develop and, and use that material to make money later. Hmm. Um, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a scene and there's politics and there's, a lot of a lot of different things there, uh, but uh, <laughs> doing Airbnb and um, doing other side jobs, film stuff. I was doing a lot of stuff in the film industry before the pandemic. Uh, those are some of the ways that I make money. But I've I've learned to have more than one stream of income. I'm I'm an entrepreneur at this point, which feels good. It's a lot of work. Some of the things <laughs> that people say, and every comic's an entrepreneur too, I'll say. Mm -hmm. um, kudos to anybody who does comedy. If you've ever thought about doing it, I encourage you to do it. Uh, but be patient with it because it's not something that people think they're just going to get it in like a year or something. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. Right. You know, people spend, that's a, that's a kind of a lifelong 
investment. You know, that's something that you want to be able to do. Um, and it's going to take, you know, it's, it, it's going to take time to master, you know, it's like, if you wanted to be a, a guitar player for a band or whatever, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to put the time in. It right. just is what it is. Right. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I live in Atlanta. And so, you know, I'm not on any circuit or anything like that at the moment. Um, and part of that is because I'm also working here and building my business. When I hit that first, um, decision of like I'd hit a stopping point and I called it a career probably it's not even a career but I was I was basically living as a raft guide at the time I was a whitewater adventure instructor right like the dude in the back of your boat when you go take a whitewater uh, oh, cruise okay. and so I still I still actually do that as well and I, I love it I did it this summer um, because I was able, able to do it part-time but at that time you know I hit really hit a glass ceiling because it's like okay well, if I'm going to stay in this industry, which is the recreation industry, I was a raft guide and a ski instructor at the time. Like I said, I was really just looking for maximum good time. I wanted to have the best experience for me that I could. And, and that's what I found. I did that. And at, at a certain point, you know, when I hit 30, <laughs> I was not fulfilled and I wanted something more. And so that was part of me, you know, transitioning from that industry and working there, which the only other path is to be like a manager or something like that. And then if I was the manager in a rafting company, let's say, well, now I don't get even get to go out on the water. So what's the point, mm-hmm. right? Like, so, you know, wasn't making much money, just getting by working as a ski bum, working as a raft bum. And I just wasn't fulfilled uh, anymore uh, with having fun. It just wasn't enough for me. So I came home and I was also going through a breakup. There were a lot of things happening at this time. <clears throat> But that was the end of that particular road for me or career, if you can even call it that, because like most people in that industry, yeah, people make a career out of it, but it's, it doesn't pay very well. So it's not going to be the type of career that is really, you could build a family with, Mm, right? Like you're not going to be able to do that. (laughs) You're going to, you're going to have a, that's going to be tough. Mm. So so were so you that, burnt out or was it more of a, I need to find a way to like uh, maximize my income or something? I, I was burnt out, but I also wanted more. I wanted to build my own thing. I wanted to create something that was um, yours, unique, unique and different. Yours. Right. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to find a purpose. I wanted a sense of meaning and fulfillment. Yeah, for sure. I love that, man. Cause so many people, I, I, I'm even in that thing right now and I, I've been looking at comedy I, I love comedy and um, I write some things but I'm really nervous and shy uh, that's why I just do this audio podcast I never show my face you know I'm a really humble dude I don't do this for any cloud or anything I just like talking to interesting people and I love hearing stories about people who are like um, I'm tired and I want to change shit up and they do and like now you're an entrepreneur you have several streams of income you have your own voice and I can hear it you're like you're you. You trust yourself, and I, I love that, brother. So let me let me get this straight. So you're saying you're burnt out. You're trying to get a little bit more money. And what made you, like, what was the next thing that popped in your head? Like, oh, I'm going to try this. What, what was that? Uh, I, I started working as a tree farmer after that. And uh, we found a guy who we partnered up with who had all these trees in his backyard that he had bought this piece of property. He had all these trees in his backyard, and I met him and said hello and we walked through and I said, you know, I'll help you 
sell these trees for a commission. He was like, all right, deal. And so I met another guy who was a tree farmer and started working on his farm and put those two guys together and started to um, work in that business. So I started working as a tree farmer, which was something that I thought I would really like. And it was okay. Uh, it was a lot of work. I mean, talk about like 60, 80 hours a oh, week shit. and a lot of uh, roundup and a lot of chemicals and a lot of diesel fuel. Mm. And, you know, I felt strong and all that kind of stuff, but it was also taking quite a bit of toll on me. So I did that for like three or four years mm -hmm. and which was a, a lot of work. Uh, and then I, and then I started to transition into doing property stuff and Airbnb stuff. And I was still doing some tree stuff on the side, which I'm not anymore, but that was one of the things that I was doing. Then I started to transition into Airbnb thing because I had some friends in Atlanta who had put up some teepees in their yard as a joke. And then they posted them on Airbnb. And within a month, they were making, you know, hundreds of dollars off of these no teepees way. in their yard, dude. No. I swear to God. What yeah. kind of people will rent these teepees? Well, my friend Nick is a very talented guy. He's an engineer, a special effects tech for film and stuff. So he's... I'm not talking about just like a regular TP with uh, some wooden sticks. They were really cool. They were huge. He used this industrial grade tarp and these huge poles to make these TPs oh, in the yard. Oh, so it looked, it looked like a legit, like a original one. It was very cool. Yeah, they were done well. They had air conditioning in them, you know, oh, the okay. whole gambit. And, and then they eventually turned that whole property into this kind of homestead with you know, RVs and goats and all kinds of stuff like that oh, right shit. in the city. Nice. So they did a good job of really having a unique offering, a unique experience to provide to people and, uh, and differentiating their listing. And whenever I saw that they were doing that, I started doing Airbnb just out of my extra room mm. to get started. And then I started to grow uh, and help other people with that. So that's one of the things that I do. Uh, now, but I went from sort of tree farming to that, and I was doing bartending here and there to sort of uh, just I'd, I'd bartend a couple nights a week or whatever, just to pull in some extra cash to help fund the business, and uh, and then do the Airbnb thing. And then in 2020, that's when it shit got real weird because we pretty much lost that whole business I had built, you know, to pretty much six figure business in a couple of years. And we just pretty much completely lost that in 2020 uh, when everything shut down in that April. Right. And uh, and then I had to kind of reevaluate again. <laughs> and so at that point, that's when I started doing offering coaching because I had a very uh, strong stance about um, taking any uh, you know having to having to capitulate to authority in order to work. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and, you can say film, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I yeah. I, I I'm I'm unvaccinated. Yeah. Uh, and I and I and I and I'm not gonna get a fake card and be like, oh, and and then comply with the fucking tyranny because it's bullshit. So I thought 2020 spooked the shit out of me because I thought, oh God, I'm never gonna be able to work in film again. Which fortunately, that's actually not true. I'm still able to get some gigs here or there. Uh, I'm not overtly running in there and screaming to everybody that I'm unvaccinated. But you can answer actually that you prefer not to answer, mm. of course, because it's the fucking law. Right. You know what I'm saying? You can't just ask people. Anyway, no, I love it, bro. I love bring it out, bro. I love when people just talk shit. Do it. No, but it, but it is bullshit, right? And so, but at that time, I thought, oh my god, I might never work in film again. 
I've got to fucking figure something out. So that's when I really hammered down and started doing the coaching business. So I started doing that in 2020 and 2021. 2021 was pretty good for that. And then now since things have come back, I've gotten back more into doing, you know, some other production gigs here and there. I worked on a, a dance show uh, a couple of months ago with some friends that was on ABC. Oh, shit. Um, and uh, it was, what was it called? It was called uh, Dancing Dancing with Myself was the name of it. And I was just, yeah, I, I didn't have like a big position or anything on that, but I was just helping them and making some extra money. There's some, there's a lot of film stuff happening down here in Georgia, like in, in my area of town. And uh, so I, that's always been a source of revenue for me that I could pick up projects and stuff. So I was able to do some stuff like that. And then I've gotten things going back again on the Airbnb front. We're doing that again. And I'm thinking about starting some uh, another business as well, which I'm still in sort of in the pro early early preliminary stages of of planning. But um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. So I've had this whole journey of having to figure it out and having to be adaptive in the market based on my principles because I was not going to fucking get the jab. It just wasn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> and so I thought, fuck, I might never. I mean, dude, you remember how crazy it was? Like, I thought I might never go to another concert right. again. Yeah, yeah. And you were you know? in Georgia. It was kind of bad, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's Georgia's. I mean, it was a lot better here than in, in other places. I mean, God forbid being in New York. Right. Or <sighs> Jesus. But I mean, even in 2021, I went out to LA and it wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as they said. No, no I'm um, not talking about it. I'm talking about the draconian measure that they took. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it's bullshit. It was bullshit across the board. Right. You know, it's like tell people that there's a virus out there. Yeah, you know, tell them, mm -hmm. but don't lock them in their homes. Like we lost a business, dude. Like I said, I like probably lost sixty to eighty thousand dollars that year, yeah. at least. You know what I mean? So that's that's a that's a conservative estimate. Right. <laughs> so when motherfuckers come around here talking about amnesty, I mean, shit. That like, no, no. I mean, unless you want to you know, make it up for all these small businesses and all these people whose lives were completely derailed, people that lost their job, lost mm -hmm. their homes, lost their business, lost their family members, you know, no, there will not, there, there will not be amnesty because whoops, we're sorry. We didn't know bullshit. You fucking knew the whole time. Right, right. We so all knew the whole time. We couldn't say anything about it at the time because we would get banned off of fucking social platforms. Right. But now that it's, you know, now that it's all behind us, we can talk about it now, which right. is so unnerving and irritating. Like nothing gets under my skin more than that, where, where you're around a bunch of people and they all know, they all see the elephant in the room. Right. Know? And you can't say <laughs> and it. And can't... Nobody can say anything. Ah, right. It's maddening. It's torture. Well, let me ask you this, because I'm sh in the beginning, everyone was afraid. I was afraid. I was fucking wiping down my groceries with fucking uh, sanitizer. When, and it, it took me about... Maybe till that summer, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've read about shit like this my whole life. Wait a minute. this They're doing it right now in front of us, and how are people not, like, pushing back? When did you start turning around, like, wait a minute, this is bullshit? Well, I kind of smelled a rat from the start, but I didn't say anything uh, to anybody because I didn't want to be wrong about that and fucking have people's lives on my hands. So mm -hmm. I wasn't out there being like, this is a hoax or whatever. I was saying on my Patreon, like, I don't know what this is. This is really crazy because you're locked in your house and you don't know. And all you have access to is your phone and internet. 
So who knows what's really going on? My mom was scared to death. I was on a cruise ship in that March. Oh shit! And I was making jokes about it on the cruise ship. I was talking about <laughs> I'm I was talking about how I was writing a, a screenplay that was I'm trying to get the joke right that um, that was a horror thriller, but also a documentary about a bunch of people who were on a cruise ship, on a comedy cruise out in the Caribbean Sea. And, uh, and, and, and this is right at the beginning of this whole thing. And that's like my setup for the joke, you know, uh-huh. and, uh, and, and just completely mocking it because I thought it was hilarious. I was like, wash your hands. You'll be fine. You know, like the joke, the end of that joke is like, you know, like it's an outbreak or whatever. And then everybody gets herpes. So like, I tried <laughs> to like, let it down, let them down, you know, I wasn't trying to like scare the shit out of people, but, but the setup was very co- confronting. Uh, especially at that time, but I never really thought it was going to be anything. And I don't know, for whatever reason, uh, the idea of a, of a, of a virus just didn't spook me that much for some reason. Uh, what did scare me were the draconian lockdowns and all those measures. My mom was very scared about it at first. I was going to get groceries for her and I was very respectful of anybody else who was scared of it too. And I didn't put myself in a position to be a dick, uh, and like, you know, swing my ideas and opinions around and, and, and throw them out at anybody else. I had one friend, my friend who she was scared to death at first. And then she kind of, you know, changed the way she viewed it. And, uh, and, you know, it was interesting and cool to kind of see that transition, but, you know, I don't know. It's just, it was just, it was just crazy. I I saw through it pretty much the whole time. I tried to tell people to, be calm, wash your hands, you know, that stuff, or that was my opinion of it. Mm -hmm. And I was also ready to be wrong. You know, if I'm wrong about this, fair enough. You know, I didn't go out there and kill granny. I, 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 for the most part, complied with most of the uh, mandates and things and whatever. I, I just wanted to respect other people. You know, if other people were like, we want you to put a mask on, then I would. I was like, that's as far as I'm willing to go. Right. I'll do that. I got to work. I got to make money. I'll put a mask on when I'm on set or whatever, but you know, yeah, for me, I, I never really bought in to it. Um, it, all it served to really do for me too, was alienate me more and more from people who, you know, I'm already kind of on the fringe. So like, (laughs) you know, so I'm trying to book myself in comedy in rooms with just Joe, you know, NPCs, Joe Schmo, the most average people. Right. And then to me, it's like I walk into the lion's den every night yeah. and try to make people laugh about how stupid they are. I, not, I mean, it, not yeah. really, right? Like, I'm not clowning on them right. directly, but I'm just, that's, I don't have another fucking message. What am I supposed to say, right. you know? And so it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird position to be put in, right? I'm also a white straight male in comedy Uh which is like nobody cares what a white straight male in comedy (laughs) has to say i'm the least interesting from a mainstream perspective and i get that too because i book shows and i don't want just five white dudes on the show like that sucks Mm. you know like we want variety so i understand those ideas too so there's all these different you know ideas and 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 narratives that are out there and so how how to navigate all of that it can be very, very frustrating. Um, and so I can't just overtly come out and say, you know, vaccines are stupid. And even though there are, you know, people that I want to say that to, there's literally fucking Facebook groups that you can't get into as a comedian 
unless you have the jab. Oh my God. Like, am, are you I, am I gonna am I gonna get you sick in this Facebook group, dude? Seriously? But it's just gatekeeping. Dude, you know what I'm saying? So Man. it is what it is. I, it's the stupidest thing ever, right? Like comedy is supposed to be there, in my opinion, as an outlet for truth. Right. A way that people can express yes. truth in a in a in a hyperbolic way to demonstrate a point. And and everybody can ex fucking hail right. in this society right. because I think we're just constantly, <laughs> you know, shocked into this, you know, state of just fear and not 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 being able to express ourselves at all, you know. Right. So, well, so well, it's, it's an so art relieving. form. It's an art form, and that's why I love it because through art you can express yourself, and that's the way the I don't know the rulers, the dominators do it. They, they put these films and media out there where they kind of embellish their truth in it, where you're just kind of like watching it, accepting whatever's on it, and that's why I love comedy because you can put your own message in it, the truth, and have them laughing, and that's the best way to kind of brainwash someone. You know, laugh, make them think of something that's funny but it has the truth in a way and then they start thinking about it like yeah that's that is interesting why the fuck am i listening to these people that have nothing to do with my life but I, that's why i love comedy it's 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 antithetical to what the dominators do they control us with fear you know they brainwash us and program us through fear in movies but i think the best way is through laughter and that's how kids learn through playing through laughing it's just such a more jovial more uh perspective better perspective to receive ideas to me that's it seems I, I i love it too it's it's such a beautiful art form I, I i just i just think it's the best um it's it's hard it's difficult it's got its challenges uh as well and then you know within that whole community people have their own ideas and it's as as objective as it is as an art form you know because if people laugh it's usually funny and if they don't it's usually not right there's still there's still a lot of subjectivity in there too so yeah you know for me i'm not really trying to to change anybody's mind that's how i started out i was like i'm gonna convince everybody that i'm right about everything <laughs> it's like nobody fucking wants that right. dude like as soon as you take a side the point is to point is to show the absurdity right yeah. at the end of my set like the way that i'm performing now you know in mainstream rooms right like if i like i'll be at the grimerica retreat that's going to be a completely different set I can talk to people very candidly in that setting. But like if I'm in a regular room, I'm just trying to point out the absurdity in something. In fact, when I come off stage, I don't want people to immediately think they know what my thoughts are on a certain topic. Oh, I love that. I love that. Let's talk about that because I love the Gramerica guys, the show. I love their podcast. Please tell me who are these guys, uh, what they do, and what you're going to do at their retreat because I saw that. It's, it's, it looks interesting. Yeah, they're great guys. Uh, Grimerica, if you're not familiar with the show out there, it's like one of the oldest sort of conspiracy paranormal shows. Uh, it's Darren uh, Grimes and, and Graham. And they're hilarious and awesome people. They're Canadian dudes. Um, and uh, they have they do a lot of audio books as well now. That's one of the things that they've done with their with their podcast. Uh, but they do a lot of retreats and they do these excursions. So they'll do stuff with like Randall Carlson and, you know, uh, all the, all these different, all these different places. They're going to Egypt. I think they might even be in Egypt right now, but they've gone all over and they'll do these retreats called contact at the cabin. So yeah. a couple of years ago when nobody was doing in-person live events, they were like, let's do in-person live events because nobody else is doing those. Let's bring people together. And so they, the one that we did last year was, in Pine Top, Arizona, 
and it was in February. This year is also in February, but it's at Lake Tahoe. But basically a bunch of people come, we get together. There's people there cooking food. We did, we had Brandon uh, Powell, who is a Wim Hof breath instructor and a jujitsu master, fucking amazing guy, shaman, true shaman. Uh, Joe Roop, who is the proprietor and owner of Fringe FM. He also has a show called Lighting the Void, which is really cool. And he was there. He's more of like a magic practitioner. And then uh, myself uh, as as one of the guests. And, you know, what I've done, like how, how I even got into this sort of world was, you know, back to like 2015, 16, so, somewhere around there where I kind of went from this conspiracy worldview into something that was a little bit more empowered. I started sharing uh, a book called Reality Transurfing, which oh, is I've a Russian book. Okay, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good book. It's, uh, it's really fascinating, but it's, a spir- it's kind of a spiritual book. Uh, it's definitely a spiritual book, metaphysical book, um, scientific-ish more than a lot of the new age. Metaphysics, kind of stuff. I guess, kind of stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah, very, very much in that vein. And so, um, so I kind of lectured on that uh, last year, and then I did, I did some comedy too. I did like a, some short sets and stuff. Uh, and then this year, we're going to be doing a, like a very similar type of thing, uh, but in Tahoe. And I'll do more comedy, and I'll have something different to present this this time. I'll probably talk a lot about purpose. I'll probably uh, really dig deep into that, and then talk about some things that I actually can't share, you know, on social media kind of stuff okay, uh, as cool. well. Last year, you know, there was a guy who was there for uh, GOTA, uh, which is short for Greatest of All Time Athletes, and what they do is study people's posture and how they move. Hmm. So athletes. Uh, they have different athletes. They have these workouts that make you basically move more natural, like more indigenous because like the way that indigenous people move versus the way that Western people move is markedly different. And they show you on the projector screen, like, here's what happens. You know, here's, here's where this is going to happen. This is where they're going to get injured. They can see the injury happen before it does because of the way that we train our bodies for um for sports and stuff like that so it was really interesting to get a like i, I was i was blown away mesmerized by that whole uh, idea because it was not something that i had ever heard of and i got to get exposed to that we did a bunch of breath work a ton of that and cold water pools and we did some hiking and we did a astral meditation with joe where you know he kind of led us through this um i think it's i think it was like a two gates kind of meditation for astral projection hmm. And, uh, and so it was, it was awesome, man, super in integrative and refreshing and just having people around us that we saw the world, like we have similar maps. Find the so others. we're talking about, Finding the yeah, others. exactly, exactly right. So, I love that, bro. See, I love that niche, that type of community that's springing up. It seems like that, that type of stuff seemed, like you said, fringe. It seemed like it was out there. Like, who the fuck does these kind of things? But it seems like it's becoming a much more popular thing that people want to return to this archaic type of being where we were like communal, tribal, finding the others with similar like-minded people. And that, it just seems like, man, they did a fucking job by manipulating us through the media. They segregated us and divided us and closed us off from each other and just made it seem like 
TV and movies and the narratives they spill is the way that we should live life. But in none of these films and movies do you hear anything about transcendental meditation or psychedelics or stuff like that. But slowly I feel like it's peeking through and it's coming out to be a more... Um, palpable thing and i think it has a lot to do with the fucking pandemic that happened people are pissed they're like what the fuck you took away two years of my life like dude mm -hmm. like, and then i think that was another big thing to me the whole pandemic thing makes me think of like somebody going off to a cave to meditate because they have to be alone you know people had to quarantine for at least two weeks in the beginning and i feel this gave people that time that they really needed to be like okay what the fuck am i doing what, what do i work do i really like working there what can i do and like i think did that coincide, that change that happened in your third... Well, I guess that was 10 years ago, but I feel like this, that pandemic could have been a catalyst to like get really people to think like, man, what the fuck am I doing with my life? And I feel like, I think there's a... What can we call this? But the bittersweetness of this whole thing is that a lot of people woke up and they're like happier now, but I don't know. I think for, for a large... Like, I always question, I always wonder, what will it take to get humans to wake up? And, like, we had a fucking pandemic, and some people are waking up, but it seems like other people just dug their heels down, and, like, it seems like we're going to go to civil war eventually, if you really pay attention to some of the things that our people are saying. But what do you think people, like, this retreat that you're talking about, essentially, what are some things people could do on their own to kind of, like, I don't know, get out of this rut that they're in, or get out of just doing the 9 to 5 and finding new things like you did? Yeah, uh, great question. And I agree with you entirely. There are some really great advantages to that pandemic where it slowed, it stopped the hypnotic rhythm of the world and it, sh it shoved us into our house and made us look within ourselves. And I think a lot of people did wake up. I think a lot of people did start asking themselves some very important questions. And I've personally got to work with some of those people over that time too. Yeah. So I know there are some people whose lives have fucking changed since then big time. Um, so there's some, there's some really, there's always, there's always, you know, advantages to look for and things to be grateful for. Um, you know, at the same time, we're, we're faced with the reality. And I think what, what those guys doing those retreats and, and those types of things is we've got to set up our own systems. When we find the others, we've got to continue to, you know, keep those relationships tight. And I think a lot of people too, like in our movement and different podcasters and stuff crossed over a lot more than they may have otherwise. Uh, that was another positive thing from that time. Um, and, you know, to get people to, because like you said, you know, a lot of people did dig their heels in even more that, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty crazy. But I think, uh, I think a, a lot of people, yeah, just totally, redefined who their relationship to to the world we took so much for granted before it mm -hmm. and to sit down and to ask those questions the big questions are who am i that's the yeah. big question and you know of, of course what am i here for um you know what is this uh, all the all those great questions but one thing that can really help uh, is to kind of separate identity uh in two categories there is essence and there is personality and that's something Gurdjieff talks a lot about. And so, you know, a lot of the Eastern mystics talk about that too, as a way to become enlightened or to reach, you know, self-actualization or self-remembrance is what Gurdjieff would call it. But just who am I? Who am I asking that question? Ramana Maharshi, you know, who am I? Who am mm. I? Uh, and that's a big part of that process. But understanding that there are two 
sort of halves to that identity. There, there is that personality, that mask that a lot of people filter their identity through that they believe they are, but they're actually program programming a lot of that culture programs that, you know, how we were raised programs that past traumas program that how we want to be perceived by others programs that, but that has nothing to do with the essence of the actual spirit of the human being. Right. So that's what we want to really get to. And, uh, and I think there are, uh, there are exercises, you know, that people can do and ways to really put themselves as they are, what their essence is into practical use in the physical world and really do purposeful things. And those are linked. It's a spectrum there. You know, it's not all sort of one or the other. Some things are more embedded, you know, some things are more, more at that essence level, but ultimately it comes down to just sitting down and giving yourself the time that it takes. And that's maybe 10 minutes a day for six months in the morning or, you know, longer, maybe a year, maybe it comes as in the form of going out and doing like a vision quest in the, in the, in the mountains to take two or three days and fast and lay on your you know stomach and journal out in the woods and get rained on and be miserable, you know, but it's really about cracking that Tootsie roll pop, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, however, however possible. And I think it's different for everybody. They kind of have to find whatever their own process is, but there are a lot of great tools for that. First and foremost, journaling. I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm a big proponent of people being writers, whether they want to believe they are or not. I think uh, writing cements thoughts. I've heard somebody say that you don't really have a thought until you write it down. Because there's so much going on in the background, right? Like all that fridge hum. It's all fridge hum until you can get it out of there and right. evaluate it and actually see. And so we're two part beings, right? We're soul and mind. We have a, we have a, an ethereal component, that essence, that divine spark, soul, whatever you want to call that. And then we have a conscious mind that's here, you know, our ego, and that I think is very necessary to operate here in the world. And really, I think what it's about is bringing those two halves together so that we work in harmony with ourselves and, and, and give our truest, most pure gift to the world, right? Like, so taking something like an icky guy is really uh, helpful right? Like that's the, um, that's the Japanese system of finding your reason for being where it's like what you're good at. What How do you, you spell that? For. What's that? How do you spell that? Ikigai? It, what'd you say? It's I-K-I-G-A-I. Ikigai. Okay. I'm going to look in that, into that. But yeah, man, bro, it's that's awesome. an amazing answer. Yeah. It really is simple. It's just, um, really sitting down, just sitting down and being uh, honest with yourself. And, and it's so hard for people. And I agree with you. Like when I really, since I was a little kid, I had insomnia, so I would lay at night pondering shit, and I discovered myself that Santa wasn't real, and then after that, the Easter Bunny and all mm-hmm. that. But I would always ask myself like that, that question, how do we get people to change? And like, yeah, it's easy. You can sit down and be honest with, with yourself, but people are not going to do that. So the only other thing that I could imagine is, I'm sure you've seen the movie Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah. You know that part when they sit that guy and, like, force mm. him to a chair and have his eyes open watching, like, certain videos to, like, reprogram yep. him? I feel oh, like yeah. some people, that's what you have to do. Dose them with psychedelics. And, like, so for that reason, I, like, fucking t- five years ago, I created this video playlist. And I turned it into a QR code. And I'm going to make stickers and post it around town. But it's essentially cool. you open up this QR code and it takes you to this playlist that I make. And it starts off with Terrence McKenna asking the question, 
what did you do to save the world? And essentially, it just goes down the list of videos that I feel hold the potential to like wake someone up and like really get them to ask questions, kind of like what the whole pandemic did. So I'm just trying to find solutions, you know, and I hate when people just talk shit, you know, and, and don't offer any solutions. So <clears throat> that's, that's the only answer that I have. Like to really get people to change is to like force them to sit down and watch at least some type of media that, I don't know, that, that sparks something in their mind to really get them to think. But I, I, I feel even that would fail because some people are just, I don't know if they're naive or ignorant or what it is, but I don't know. But well, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy thing. I mean, you have to go with what your intuition, if that's what, if that's what you feel like you should do, then you should. Maybe one person scans that QR code, right? And then, you know, as cliche as that might sound, like they go and they find somebody else and find somebody else. And, you know, this person makes a huge difference. Oh, ultimately, um, I think that's brilliant. I would totally share that QR code. You know, I would stick it all over the place. You want to you know what's really going on? QR right, code? Right. I would be curious as hell if I saw that QR code. I would scan my phone to it and be like, what is this? Yeah, I'm going to send um, it to you. I actually do have one in it. And the title one, it says, raise your consciousness. But earlier... When I was asking you how do we get people to change, you said to really sit down and ask yourself, what am I? I think I'm going to change it to put a, to, to say, what am I? And then that QR code. And be like, nice. That's hmm. cool. I love that. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. That. I mean, there's so many components to this. I think the puzzle example is super apt, you know, that because there's this whole world of, you know, history that we've been told that's completely the opposite of what it actually was. There's this, you know, self-actualization aspect you know, there's this tribal aspect. There's all these different things that we are trying to serve and like creating the network, creating the solutions. I think that's what really needs to be emphasized. And I'm, I think I've been saying that for the past couple of years, you know, at least trying to encourage people in this movement not to feel helpless or like victims because it does nothing for anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, it just perpetuates negativity and, uh, and, and, and basically black pills. People. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not for that. Right. Um, there's got, but, but, I, and I, but at the same time, like I get the plight too, cause I've been there. So it's not like, uh, it's not like I'm condemning somebody for, you know, kind of getting stuck in that, uh, vibration, you know, it's, it's maybe it's necessary for them. Maybe that's just where they want to be. They're addicted to it emotionally, whatever, uh, reason fill in the blank. But for me, it's gotta be, the focus on what can we do what can, what actions can we take right, yeah. to 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 make you know make 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 these connections you know happen and to do the next thing that we can do uh, whatever that is sometimes we, we won't even see what it is until that puzzle comes together you meet so and so mm -hmm. and they know these people that do this and it's like oh shit you know and then the universe continues to surprise you because then you jump to a conclusion and you're like i know that because this is why the right, universe right. made this and then it's like oh wait that's not why and then there's a bigger reason and you didn't you know and on and on it goes in this infinite changing uh <laughs> right. perspective that's uh, that's constantly shifting in, in motion which is just uh maybe the best maybe the best um you know sort of idea for what's going on here is just is just change yeah, no, I love it. This life is fucking amazing, and how people can be depressed is beyond me. But um, we hit our hour, and I want to respect your time, brother. Um, man, we, I can talk to you forever, and I would love to have you. <laughs> I would love to have you on again. I love like people like you, like finding the others. You can talk to them for fucking ever. And yeah, I, I could. I, yeah, I could talk to you forever too. And I, I'd love to, uh, you know, uh, return the favor. I'd love to have you come on the show. 
Uh, on the Blue Collar Mystics, love to interview you about what you're doing here because awesome. I can tell we're definitely on, on the same wavelength and it feels good. It just feels really good to connect. So I appreciate your time and yeah. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Yeah, at the end of these talks, I always feel like I went to a church, but like a real church that really <laughs> fucking empowered me. Yes, dude. Yeah, you know what's funny? During the pandemic, I was so lonely and alone so much that I actually went to church. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sat through a whole service. It was like Pentecostal and everything. Oh my god! But and see, like even church doesn't really make me feel like. That. I mean, they do kind of sometimes a little bit, but this connecting with really like-minded people is way much yeah. more powerful. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Well, I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed it, and we'll be in touch for sure. Yeah. So y'all, please go check out Owen Hunt, his Instagram. Um, I'm gonna put his links for the Blue Collar Mystics as well. He does consulting, um, uh, coaching. I'm sure you, they can find you through that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I have a couple of websites, bluecollarmystics.org, and then my personal is bootsygreenwood.com. Cool. I'm going to put all, all on the show notes. And last question, you said the book about uh, self-reliance. Who, who, who wrote that? That's Ralph Waldo Emerson. Ralph Emerson. Okay, cool. I'm yeah, that's on our YouTube channel. It's one of the most, one of the most popular uh, audio books that we have. It's up on the YouTube channel. You can check that out. I have the Kabbalion up there. Okay, I have uh, the politics of obedience up there. I have the Tao Te Ching up there. I made quite a few different audio books, and cool. those are all on our YouTube channel. Cool. I love it, brother. And uh, we're going to connect again for sure. And, and thank you for your time. And I hope you have a blessed week, brother. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Peace. All right, guys. That was my conversation with Owen Hunt. Uh, we didn't have an intro for this one because we just hit it off right, after, right out of the gate. The dude's fucking amazing. He's hilarious. Um, please go check him out in his comedy. If you want to listen to another white guy that looks like Tom Segura, please go check out Alwyn Hunt. The dude is fucking awesome. He has a couple of his um, stand-ups on his uh, Instagram, just short clips, but uh, go check him out. The dude's fucking smart as shit. He reminds me of Tom Segura not only because he looks like him, but he fucking works as hard as he does. So um, Alwyn was Hunt. We talked a little bit after the show about comedy. The dude's fucking amazing. Please go check him out. Um, He's gonna. We're gonna have, be on his show too. I'll put it on here. I'll share it. I'm sure he'll he'll let us. But um, please go check him out. Um, a lot of knowledge you can gain from finding the others. And so to end today's episode, um, I really clung to the idea about making a sticker, that QR code that I have that says "Raise Your Consciousness." I think I'm gonna make another one that says "Who Am I?" or "What Am I?" and, and stick that QR code on there. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go follow me on Instagram. I am truth.in.media, and I post that QR code um, every other day. I'm just trying to get get someone to click it. I mean, it's crazy that when I posted it, that playlist, I had like fucking 20, 30 views, and, and those were all just mine when I would go through it and watch it. But now I think I have over a thousand something, and I, I'm sure it's done something to some people. And... Um, that's what we're here to do, just offer solutions, not just complain and fucking whine, but to actually do something that can create some change. So go check out that QR code. And uh, to come back, I wanted to end with this song by this guy called Beast1333. I don't know what I think about this dude because he does talk about a bunch of like uh, maybe dark um, occult stuff, but he does spread knowledge and... Um, the part in the song that stuck out with me, it kind of coincides with what we were talking about. What am I? In the song, uh, Listen Out For It, he says something along the lines that if you only knew what people really are, 
you wouldn't even believe it. And it's fucking true. Uh, we don't even know who we are. Uh, some guy I had an argument with, um, he was trying to tell me that he knows so much about everything. And I was like, dude, how many teeth do you have? How many holes are in your body? How many bones do you have? He, he didn't even know the basics. Like a lot of us don't even know the basics of what we are. What are we constitution? What constitutes our body? What makes us who we are? How many bones do you have? Um, how many hairs? I mean, I'm sure you couldn't count your fucking hair, but you know, wh who are you and what are you here for? Are you your mind? Are you your heart? Are you your soul? What, what are you? You know, ask, ask the primary questions. But no, I'm just rambling now. So we're gonna end with this song. It's called Global Soap Opera. And it's by the artist named Beast1333. I hope you like it. Peace. Oh, wait. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Know thyself, improve thyself, find the others, and then you'll know what to do. Peace. False news stories. So-called fake news, disinformation. All the lies. Fake news stories filling your news feed. And the Russians spread of fake news. Mission today for passing on fake news stories via Twitter. Follow back news stories to their root source. North Korea. Found more of them came from Breitbart originally than from any other single source. Who the fuck you think is pulling that wool? It's bull. Yeah. The reason they control the world and us is because we let them and we easily forget them. Acts of war, but we forgive them. To hell with these imaginary countries and religions. Trump and ISIS ain't the problem even though they motherfuckers The ones behind the narrative that play in us like suckers Instigate these wars in secret as they watch them from the shadows They develop all the weaponry we use it in the battles To what then you may be asking, it's the way that they're controlling Billions of us living on this planet, they have stolen History is just history and he edits it however It's most beneficial to the ending game they plan, how clever Everything we think we know is cause they led us to perceive it yeah. If you really knew what people were, you never would believe it Oh, the goal is to deceive us, why does nobody believe us? Lucifer means life, but they rather you worship Jesus' word. It's a global soap opera, a spectacle of show. They wrote the script and do it so your mind will never grow. It's a global soap opera, the people always lose. They manipulate the way we view ourselves in all the news. It's a global soap opera, the bastards who conceive it. Control you through the fear that they've created and you believe it. It's a global soap opera, your source of entertainment. Meticulously chosen stories crafted for enslavement. All the chemicals they feed us, the sugars and foods with colors. Toxic red 40 fed to the kids of unknowing mothers. They become so hyperactive and late develop cancer genetically modified organisms no answer for all the wi-fi and wireless signals attack invisible causing them panic attacks that you have they criminals they know when the effect that it has on our bodies come on they want us running for our lives like spider holding saddam beast one three 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 come we'll come together all uniting formally the thinking tank and train our comrades for the fighting why the fuck you think i'm writing why the fuck all these recordings somewhere on the planet right now human beings are waterboarding nastier than people hoarding prisoners that sleep on feces pain increases in the age of pieces pray but nobody Spread diseases in the back of preseas Now the gears is greasy It's a plague of creases The creases, the pieces with police It's a global soap opera A spectacle to show They wrote the script and do it So your mind will never grow It's a global soap opera The people always lose They manipulate the way we view ourselves And all the news It's a global soap opera The bastards who conceive it Control you through the fear That they've created and you believe it It's a global soap opera Your source of entertainment Meticulously chosen stories Crafted for enslavement In our faces So they tease us Vibrations from all these symbols There are compounds and neural Toxic chemicals and Pringles, scabies created shingles, opportunistic infections, slavery exists, merged with Department of Corrections, I am birthed and resurrection, I'm the fire from the phoenix, all the answers to our questions lie inside a double helix, fathers first and sons the remix as we live in out our cycles, I hereby call upon the power, my disciples, automatic pistols, rifles, you ain't ready for the smoke, you ain't ready for this battle, you ain't ready yet to cope, I will give my life gladly for the future generations, everybody
body laid in stone with my blueprint as the foundation all my tracks all my creations hope that some may serve to guide you take the time to listen to that little voice speaking inside you they will try hard to divide you what i ask is that you question every single person that you meet i slay the second is it horrible soap opera a spectacle the show they wrote the script and do it so your mind will never grow it's a global soap opera the people always lose they manipulate the way we view ourselves and all the news it's a global soap opera the bastards who conceive it control you through the fear that they've created and you believe it it's a global soap opera Source of entertainment, meticulously chosen stories crafted for enslavement. My brothers and sisters, you never know who has a vested interest in the latest headline. So make sure you question everything you see and hear. Peace. Peace.